about you, that song gets me fired up. Anybody else? Yeah, Jesus, your name makes the darkness tremble. What an awesome song and what an awesome segue to um, another week of encounter. Hey, I'm Pastor Noah, the pastor to students here, and I'm so honored and privileged that each of you have chosen to join with us and worship together today. I can't wait to see what God speaks to each of our hearts this morning. Uh, Encounter's been an awesome series. We've been talking about worship and what it means to truly love and worship God, uh, not just on Sundays, but throughout our life through singing and through reading God's word, through, through gathering with the believers. It's been such an awesome study. And um, today we kind of cap this series off encounter uh, talking about something that's very important. It's incredibly important. And so I'm going to go ahead because it's so important and give you the life lesson right now. Our life lesson is this. My encounter with God is a powerful weapon against the enemy. Amen? My encounter with God is a powerful, not just a weapon, a powerful weapon against the enemy. And today we're going to see a, a story that really illustrates this in a very cool way. A story that I think many of us won't know. You know, sometimes we talk about stories that everybody knows, but this is a story that I didn't know, honestly. I've learned something really new in, in reflecting on this, and so I'm very excited. You know, uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, this concept of the armor of God. Has anybody heard of that passage before? The armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. I, I want to read a short excerpt from that. Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 12 through 13, and I would love, hey, this week, go back and read this whole passage. It's so great. But verse 12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Paul told us that we need to have a spiritual armor because there is a spiritual battle that each of us fight every day. We see the physical, but there's a spiritual battle going on for our hearts, for our lives. And, and Paul tells us something that we don't think about a whole lot, but there's a very real enemy who is out here trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there's a spiritual battle that each of us kind of face. And, and how does that come out? You know, we see the physical. How does that come out? Um, it comes out in, in weapons of discouragement against us. Anybody ever been discouraged? comes out in weapons of frustration, of pain, of temptation for sin. And when we go into these difficult moments of our life, challenges, problems, many of us try to answer them with a physical answer when really, what's the problem? There's a spiritual problem. And you know for anything, you need the right tool for the job. Has anybody ever tried to do a job and, and you just didn't have the right tool for it? I mean, I think about, this is very nonsensical, this would not happen, but if I wanted to go and put a, put a picture up in my house and I go and I check all my tools and uh, the only thing I can come up with is a shovel, is that gonna be a good day for me? I mean, it's comical to think about, you know, I'm sitting there hammering away at a screw, trying to get it in with the shovel. That doesn't make any sense. If you don't have the right tool for the job, the job becomes infinitely harder, right? And spiritually, it's, it's the same. If we don't have the right tool to defeat the enemy, 
whenever he comes against us. Life is going to be a lot harder. But here is the good news. Our encounter with God is that right tool. Our encounter with Jesus is that tool to fight back the enemy. And today, we're going to see that in a really, really neat way. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles. We're going to Old Testament today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So I'd love for you to turn. And we're going to kind of read this whole story of this guy that I didn't know a whole lot about. And you, you may know, but I didn't know. His name is Jehoshaphat. That's interesting. So my kids in the room, students in the room, you can try to say that. It's kind of a fun word to say. Jehoshaphat, he was a king in Second Chronicles in Judah. And uh, he, you know, there are bad kings and there are good kings. He was a really good king. He was following after God. He was leading his people to do the same. The first thing he did when he got in office is he said, hey, all y'all people who are worshiping idols, we're getting rid of those. We're not worshiping these idols. We're worshiping God. We're going after him. That's the first thing he did. And throughout his reign, you just see all these things that he does. And uh, he was a man who was following after God, but not just that, he was leading others to do the same. And here we, we come on a crisis moment for Jehoshaphat, a difficult moment. And we see his response to a difficult moment, his response to a physical and spiritual battle, what he does. And I think it's going to be very interesting for each of us to discover what he did and apply that to our lives as well. So second Chronicles Chapter 20, we're going to start in verse number one. But before that, I want us all to spend a moment in prayer and ask God to speak to us in an amazing way. Do you want God to speak to you today? I, I hope that you do. So let's pray and ask him to do that. God, thank you that you've given us your word as a guide for our life. I pray today as we read it that, God, you will speak to every person in this room, whatever they're going through, whatever kind of week they've had, whatever their background pray that you'd speak to each of us and that we will be willing once you have spoken to us to make the changes that we need. We love you so much. It's in Jesus name. I pray and all God's people said, amen. All right. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let's get going in verse number one. Now it came about after this, that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon together with some of the Maonites came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they're in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. And here was Jehoshaphat's response. Jehoshaphat was afraid. And he turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities in Judah to seek the Lord. All right, so Jehoshaphat starts with a big problem. Armies are coming, and they're not coming to be at peace. They're coming for war. So here's Judah right here. There's an army right here coming. There's an army right here coming. There's an army right here coming. So he's got three whole armies that are coming against him. And what's his first natural reaction? He's afraid, which I think many of us would be if we were the king of a land that was about to get overthrown by three different armies. And what we're going to do is we're going to see from the story of Jehoshaphat today what we need and what he used to fight the battles of faith, to fight the spiritual battle, the unseen battle, the battle we don't think about, what we need to be able to fight that battle. That's what we're going to see today. And so here in this beginning of the passage, we see that Jehoshaphat started 
And what we need to fight the battles of faith is an immediate, that word's important, immediate turn to God. An immediate turn to God. To fight the battles of faith, we need an immediate turn to God. These people come and they're, they're yelling and they're screaming, Jehoshaphat, we got armies coming. What are we going to do? And what does Jehoshaphat do? All right. First thing you would think would say, we got to come up with a battle plan. We got to get our defenses right. We got to get ready. We got to put some people to safety that, that don't need to be in, involved with us. But no, what does Jehoshaphat do? He says, hey, people from all over the land, I want y'all to come and this is going to be a house of prayer. We're just going to pray and we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to fast and we're going to refrain from eating food to show our need for him. And we're just going to pray and pray and pray. And what happens is it's like jazz fest in New Orleans when we can have it. People come from all over to jazz fest. So, so Jehoshaphat's got people from all over his country that have come and they're all just praying and fasting, which seems nonsensical, doesn't it? What should Jehoshaphat be doing? getting ready for war. But what's he doing? He's praying and he's fasting. Jehoshaphat had an immediate turn to God. That's the really neat thing. It wasn't something that he kind of thought and pondered in his mind. I wonder what I should do right now. You know, let me think about all this. No, immediately he said, before we go any further, we got to talk to God. And you know, we face problems and challenges and difficulties in our life. And, um, it's interesting. Sometimes we turn to God, but uh, we turn to him as our like second, third, fourth, fifth. We exhaust all opportunities before we ever go to him. And uh, this shows us that if we want to fight the battles of faith, we need an immediate turn to God. Because th this is the truth. Whenever we wait to turn to God, generally what happens? Things get worse whenever we really become on our knees. I think about, um, I don't really like going to the doctor very much. Does anybody in here just love going to the doctor? I mean, you get, especially with like simple things. So when I was in college, you get like a common cold, simple things. I just want to, I'm going to tough it out. I'm not going to the doctor. We'll see what happens. And uh, one thing I've had to really come around with is if you go to the doctor in the beginning, it fixes a lot of problems that could come up later. <laughs> like, you know, if, if I had gone the first day, maybe a week from then when I ended up having to go, my cough wouldn't be quite as bad as it is now. We like to kind of try to tough it out and go through things and, and not really turn to the real solution quickly. But Jehoshaphat shows us day one, we see a problem. Who are we calling? It's God. It's not a time to prepare or look at our finances or talk to our family. It's a time to do what? Immediately turn to God. Jehoshaphat did that. If we want to win the battles of faith, we have to turn to God as our first option. Not second, not third, not fourth. God is our first action. And um, when we don't, we end up in a deeper mess than, than we even should have been in the first place. And I can imagine God just looking at us saying, when are you going to turn to me? When are you going to break down? <laughs> when is it going to actually get bad enough that you actually turn to me? The hope for all of us is that we wouldn't wait till it's so bad that, that we have to just get on our hands and our knees and, and struggle, know that God would be the first one that we turn to. Jehoshaphat did that. All right, so that's the first thing we see if we want to fight the battles of faith. We need an immediate turn to God. But secondly, what we need is we need a humble heart. A humble heart. 
And we're going to see why in the next few verses. Verse 5 says this, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They've lived in it. They've built your sanctuary there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear us and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they had turned aside from them and did not destroy them, See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as your inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let's camp on, out on that statement for a moment. If you take a statement away that you could say in your prayer life, this is a really good one. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Hey, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I am lost for words. I am lost for actions. Jehoshaphat says, I don't know what to do. But God, guess what? I'm looking at you. We need a humble heart. Jehoshaphat, he, he like waited till everybody, you know, that jazz fest atmosphere. Everybody's in Judah now. He waited and then he had an opportunity to speak over all the people. And instead of him talking about, you know, this big old pep talk, you know how at football games, you have a big old pep talk before the game and get people riled up and excited about going into battle. Jehoshaphat didn't do that. He got for the people and he said, you know what? Let's pray. Let's spend some more time praying. And he prays this awesome prayer to God. And he ends it with that. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Many of us have a struggle with asking for help in general. And I'll say it like this. So, so last year was a great year of home projects. Many of you probably know that. It was a great year of home projects. And um, so whenever you go to one of the big box stores with all the stuff, Home Depot or Lowe's or any of these things, um, some stuff is really hard to find. Has anybody else been, been in that boat? You're trying to find something and it's just very difficult to find it. Um, I'll say something that, you know, it doesn't flatter me quite as much, but I will just look and look and look and look. I don't want to ask somebody. <laughs> It gets to this point. I don't want to ask somebody where that is. I can find it. Just give me enough time and I will find it. When if you would just go and you would ask somebody where this thing is, what would happen? You cut your trip real short, don't you? I mean, it's a much better scenario for your day. You just get rolling along. Um, and many of us, we just don't really like to ask for help that much. Um, Jehoshaphat, he was willing to literally say, I am the king of this land. I'm the most important person. I'm the one who all these people look to for answers. And he was still humble enough in front of all of them to say, you know what, guys, I don't know what we have to do. Now, those three words are powerful. The words we don't like to say, I don't know. But Jehoshaphat was humble enough 
His heart was humble enough. He didn't have so much pride that he couldn't say, hey, I don't know what we're going to do, but guess what? I'm just going to look to God, and he is going to provide. Is that your attitude in your, your job, your family, your finances, what, whatever else? Are you willing to say, God, I just don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at you. We need a humble heart if we are going to win the battles of faith. And our praise, our encounter is a moment of reliance and trust in God to really do something that we can't see right now, we can't understand, we don't know what's going on. I mean, that's what faith is all about. It's about trusting in God that he sees something that I don't. He understands the problem on a deeper level than I ever can. And he has a solution that maybe I don't see right now, but he has it in his hands. That's what faith is all about. And Jehoshaphat was willing to say, I don't know, but I'm looking at you, God. In our battles of faith, it's us facing a challenge, us facing an obstacle, and us being willing enough to go to God and say, God, it's not about my own power. It's not about my qualifications. It's not about my strength. I'm looking at you. This problem is too big for me to handle. I don't understand where to go, but God, guess what? My eyes are on you. Would that be what we are known for as a people? People who are humble enough to say, I don't know what to do, but God, I trust in you. So if we want to win the battles of faith, we need an immediate turn to God. We don't turn to God as a second, third, fourth, fifth option. We turn to God immediately. And we also need a humble heart that's willing to, to say, I don't know what's going on, but God, I look to you. And then next, we need to stand firm and watch his deliverance. There's a lot of parallels in that Ephesians 6 passage to this one, the armor of God. Uh, in, that, in that passage, he says, hey, you need to put on the full armor of God and then stand firm. That's what it's going to allow you to do. And so we continue in verse number 14. Then in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came on. And we're about to go through some, some names right here. So y'all get ready with me. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, the sons of Asaph. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. So the moment Jehoshaphat says... God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God's spirit comes on one of the people there that day and speaks through this person a message to all these people who are gathered from all over the land. And he speaks this message. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. This is good. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Isn't that good? So immediately God says, the battle is not yours. It belongs to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't make all your plans. The battle belongs to the Lord's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they'll come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. And this is weird. Verse 17, you need not fight in this battle. You need not fight in this battle. So wait, God said, we need to go to the battle. We need to get ready, but we don't need to fight. You can sense some of the confusion, but from the beginning, they were trusting in God. Station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. 
Tomorrow go out to face them for the Lord is with you. Now they were facing unimaginable numbers and hordes of this army, more than they could comprehend, but they were stronger because of one thing. They had God on their side. Didn't matter how big that army was. Didn't matter what kind of weapons they had. Didn't matter what kind of strategy they used. Why? God was on their side and he said, y'all just stand and watch. The battle belongs to the Lord. Isn't that good? If we want to win the battles of faith, we need to stand firm and watch his deliverance. In verse 18, Jehoshaphat, he bowed his head with his face to the ground. I mean, this awesome moment where God speaks to him. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. What an awesome moment. I mean, they're there, they're praying for God to speak. God comes through, he says, the battle belongs to me. And they all just fall on their face and they worship God. And the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and of the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. So they had a church service and not a, not a church service where they're kind of, you know, sometimes we get that mumble on whenever we sing. We don't really know, we just mumble. No, they weren't doing any of that. They said with a loud voice, they were shouting, they were singing, they were excited because they were trusting that they were going to stand firm and see the deliverance of God. So many times our impatience keeps us from being able to do this. We're so impatient for God to move that we kind of move past him and do our own thing. And impatience just, just really kills this whole, whole thing. I, I think a funny example is um, it's Thanksgiving or day before Thanksgiving and you go to the grocery store and you know how the grocery store is around that time. You don't want to be in there, do you? Because you know what's going to happen. It's going to take you all day. And here's the scenario. So you get all your groceries. You've you got so many people in here and you go get in line and it's backed up. I mean, think about the Rouses on Jindagal. You're back in the aisle back there. I mean, you're backed up pretty good and you start moving and you're impatient. I need to get home. I need to get home. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Let's get checked out. And then what do you see? That number four, ding, it lights up. And then what do you think in your mind? Can I get over there fast enough <laughs> so that it's faster for me to be in that line than in the line that I am in right now? It's this cost benefit analysis that goes off in your head. And you know what happens? You, you wait, you wait, you think, all right, I'm doing it. Let's go. And you get to going and you move towards it. And by the time you get there, what happens? <laughs> row three, row two, row five, they all saw the same thing. And now you're in the same line, but you don't, you don't want to go in there. Cause you're like, I had a decent spot back there. I had waited for a minute and he turned back and what's the problem. Somebody took your spot back there. Impatience gets the best of us. And it puts us in this difficult situation where we're in a worse predicament than we started with. It's, it's the same thing we were talking about earlier with immediate turn to God. We end up in a situation we don't really uh, want to be in. But what Jehoshaphat did was he said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. I know it might take some time, but you know what I know? God's going to come through. He's going to come through. It might not be in my timing. It might not be in what I specifically want, but God is going to come through. And so God said, y'all stand firm and wait for his deliverance. And here's the cool thing. God hasn't even routed the armies yet. And they're already praising. 
Now, you know they're going to have a party after the armies are defeated. I'll give you a, a little snapshot. The armies are going to be defeated. God's going to come through. I know you probably knew that from the story. They're not having a party after. They're having a party just because God said it. They believed him so much, they started singing. They started worshiping right there. And it shows that they were ready to stand firm and watch his deliverance. Are you willing to stand firm and watch the deliverance of the Lord? Are you willing not to get ahead of God and his plan in your life? Are you willing to, to let him move, even if it takes longer than you necessarily would think? When we do that, we stand firm, just like Ephesians 6 tells us. We can see the deliverance of God. If we want to win the battles of faith, we have to be willing to wait on God. Wait on the Lord and watch his deliverance. And if we move ahead in our own strength, we can miss what God's doing in our life. All right, so we have three things that we need if we want to win the battles of faith. We need an immediate turn to God, not second, not third, not fourth option. We need a humble heart that's willing to say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm gonna trust you anyway. And we need to stand firm and watch God's deliverance. And then the last thing that we need, and this is good news in this passage, and this is good news in our lives, we need God on our side. Don't you want God on your side whenever you go through a battle of faith? I think so. We need God on our side. And so, are you ready to find out what happens in the story? I think you probably have a good guess at what happens. Verse number 20. They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. No fear, trusting in what God was going to do. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attires. They went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. So his advanced battle guard was a group of people singing, give thanks to the Lord. His loving kindness is everlasting. What kind of battle were they fighting? They were fighting a battle of praise. And we continue on. When they began singing and praising, so they're, they're all singing, they're all praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. So they're singing, they're praising, and you know, I told you, okay, so here's Judah, three armies, right? The armies come, and they go to fight Judah, and they get confused, and God sets ambushes for them, and what do they start doing? They start fighting each other. And so what did God tell the nation of Judah to do? He said, stand firm and watch my deliverance. You don't have to fight the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. And what did they do? They stood there and watched as these hostile armies defeated each other and all they had to do was praise. All they had to do was praise and they trusted God. And here's the really, oh man, um, this is so good. Verse 26, then on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore they have named that place the valley of Barakah until today. And Barakah, you know what it means? Praise. 
What once could have been called a valley of bloodshed, what did they call? A valley of praise. What an awesome moment. They're standing there singing and praising the Lord. And get this, this is really the idea that I would love for you to take from this idea. When we praise and have an encounter with God, we are not preparing for the battles of life. We are fighting the battles of life. When we praise when we listen to a sermon, when we read God's word, when we wake up early to, to read and to encounter God through prayer, we're not just preparing for the battles of life, we're fighting them. Because we're not just fighting a physical battle, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And so know this, every moment you spend singing to the Lord, it's not wasted. Every moment you spend talking with your family about God, it's not wasted. Every moment that you are in prayer, it's not wasted. Every moment you come to church, it's not wasted. Why? Because we are fighting the battle of faith. We don't just come here to, to kind of hang out. We are fighting a spiritual battle. We are trusting that God is going to deliver us. And so don't feel like this time is wasted. Don't feel like the moments where you encounter God are wasted. Because that is the way that we fight against the enemy. Our praise is a weapon against the enemy. And so many times we treat church just like we're preparing for things of life. No, what we're doing, it matters, it's real. And as we fight the battles of life, it is the spiritual power that accompanies us on to see the victory. I love um, the connection also here. Um, this idea of a valley of bloodshed, it's changed into this valley of, of praise and really the connection to Jesus. I mean, what a connection right out of Easter. Um, a, a moment on this hill, Golgotha, that is a moment of bloodshed, of difficulty, where Jesus is dying. What does God turn that into? A moment of, of praise, a moment of salvation. A moment for us that changes our lives forever. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's the kind of God that can turn this valley of bloodshed into a valley of praise. And what does he call us to do? He calls us to immediately turn to him. Are you immediately turning to God? Is he your second, third, fourth, fifth option or is he your first? He calls us to have a humble heart. Letting go of our pride and being willing to say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. He calls us to stand firm, to wait, to be patient and see his deliverance. And we need God on our side. And we know through Jesus, hey, that's the good news. We have God on our side. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that we have God on our side? Aren't you thankful that in the spiritual battle, God has given us the tools to fight it? I'm so thankful for that. I want to remind you today, our life lesson is this. My encounter with God is a powerful, powerful weapon against the enemy. Don't take the moments you have to praise, to read the word, to sing for granted. Something much deeper than just singing a song is going on. You're fighting the battle. 
when you read, it's not just words. You're fighting the enemy. When you gather in a room like this, you're not just sitting there, you're fighting the battle against the enemy. And what we truly believe is when we are willing to do that and get serious about encountering God, the enemy has to leave. The temptation, the frustration, the discouragement that he brings against us with God on our side, it has to leave. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what kind of battles you have going on in your heart and in your life. I'm not so naive to think that, that people aren't going through some stuff right now. Maybe battles in, in, in your, your family, maybe battles in, in your job, finance, whatever it is. Let's wait and see the deliverance of God. Let's praise our way through the battle. And I'll close with this. Paul and Silas in the book of Acts, they're in jail. They've been jailed for their faith. It's midnight. And what are they doing? They're singing. The other people in the jail, they're, they're so confused. They look around. Who's that singing? It's 12 o'clock. We're supposed to be asleep. But they hear singing, loud singing to the Lord. And at this moment, at, at midnight, the chains fall off. And there's this mighty earthquake. And the bars go off of the jail cells. Our praise is a powerful weapon against the enemy. And so our response, let your encounter with God help you win the battle against the enemy. Whatever battle that is, let your encounter with God help you fight the battle. Let's get serious about our encounter with God because it matters. What we do, what we sing, it truly matters. And we can win the battle over sin, frustration, fear, doubt, discouragement, anything else that gets thrown our way from the enemy. So I wanna spend a moment and pray over you and give you a moment to respond through prayer. And in this moment, I would just ask you, if this is something that God has spoken to your heart, that, that you need to take the encounter seriously and, and use it to fight the enemy. Maybe you are struggling with immediately turning to God. Maybe you're struggling with humility. Maybe you're struggling with, with patience. Maybe you're struggling to believe that truly God is on your side. Whatever the struggle, let's give it to God right now. God, thank you that we don't have to have it all figured out, that we have a God who's so much more powerful than we can even think or imagine. Thank you for the story and how it shows us that, that you are working and you can do miracles in our lives whenever we trust in you. God, I pray for each person in this room and who's watching online right now, whatever battles they're going through, that God, they would trust in you alone. That their praise, their encounter truly would be a weapon against the enemy. We love you so much. We thank you for all you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being a part of, of our service today at Calvary. And um, thank you so much for your faithfulness and your giving. We can't do what we do without you. Um, and we can't see um, the gospel from Calvary. It goes all around the world. We're so thankful that you partner with us in that. 
And so today, if, if you'd like to give, calvaryneworleans.com slash give. We would love for you to partner in ministry with us. Also, if you're new with us, we'd love for you to connect so that we can know how we can better serve your family and we can get to know you better. So we'd love today, if you're new, um, go to calvaryneworleans.com slash connect and give us some, uh, some information. Just let us know ways that we can help you grow in your faith. And lastly, we all need prayer, don't we? We all need prayer. And we've set up calvaryneworleans.com slash prayer for that specifically. We'd love for you to go there and let us know how we can partner in prayer with you. Hey, stay up to date with us this week as we um, have our Wednesday night Vital Habits to Grow in Faith, Faith online study. We'd love to see you at seven and keep in touch with us on social media as we continue to go forward. I'm praying that this week is an amazing moment for you as you continue to fight the battles of faith. I wanna pray over you one more time and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much that we can move forward in faith with you. I pray for each of our hearts that we will be burdened to encounter you on a deeper level day by day by day. It's in Jesus' name I pray.